0: Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the number one international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, we have Gigi Trebitusky. From calling for her dad to chase people out of her room at night, to a mystical experience during First Communion and an intense, clairsentient experience at a Civil War battlefield when she was just 11 years old, Gigi has had a fascination with spiritual and metaphysical subjects. She has lived deeply connected to her intuition most of her life and drawn people to her, seeking guidance for as long as she can remember Over the past decade, and with the help of her dog Scrappy, Gigi has been on a journey of self-healing and reawakening. As part of this journey, she has studied evidential mediumship and spiritual healing at the Arthur Finley College in the UK. Her studies have also included shamanism, dream work, past life regression, energy work, and most recently, spirit art and animal communication. There's a lot more to say about Gigi, but I'd rather her tell you in her own words. Her website is indigosoulways.com, or you can simply go to We wedontdieradio.com, click on episode 122 to find out much, much more. Gigi Trebatuski, welcome to We Don't Die Radio.
1: Hello, Sandra. Hello, Gigi. I have a I'm so excited to be my face,
0: <laughs> I know. You and I have been corresponding for months and we have the yes. same tutor in Minister Matthew Smith. So he introduced us and I'm
1: really grateful. Such a blessing. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> my, new fa- my new friend. Where are you this morning? You're in Florida, correct?
1: Yes. For, uh, Southwest Florida, Fort Myers area. How nice.
0: And you're by Sitting the beach. looking
1: at the beach at the moment. <laughs> oh, how
0: wonderful! I'm in
1: Massachusetts, and
0: it's a nice fall day. The leaves are uh-huh. changing outside. We're recording this in October 2016. I always think, Gigi, that sometimes somebody listens to this ten years in the future, and so they're going to picture what it is that we're experiencing. Anyways, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? You, uh, the introduction you sent me about the things that happened in. In childhood and chasing people out of your room could you just talk
1: a little bit about your background and and some of these things sure um so I as far as as far back as I can remember I um, have been sort of fascinated with life and birth and death um you know I'm gonna give my age away here but my okay. earliest memory is when I was two years old coming down from a nap in a two-story uh townhouse and seeing my mother and brother crying in front of the TV. And I think it was probably the first time I ever saw my mother crying, and it just struck me. It stayed with me. It happened to be the day that John Kennedy was shot. And um I I've actually relived that dream over and over again in my lifetime. So I think it was a beginning of of awareness so that I somehow began to question life, death things. And it seems funny to be two and doing that, but that, that was the case that my grandfather died when I was five years old or four and a half going on five, something like that. And my mother, um, and father chose to take my brother who was six and my, myself was five along to the, to the visitation. And, um, I got sent home eventually, but not because I was upset, but because what I was saying was probably upsetting other people because I got there and I was like, but mom, that's not grandpa. Why are people up at the, the at the coffin? That's not grandpa. He's, he's not here anymore. <laughs> And so, um, and it really, you know, I just couldn't understand why all of these people, uh, to me, there was this doll laying in the casket in the front of the room that just was not grandpa. And, um, and so my mom, my mom, uh, took me back to my aunt's house between visitation and the funeral. And and at the time she said she was worried that I was too young and I shouldn't have been there and that I was getting too upset. But I really looking back think it was way more about that I was in my youth and and honesty, I was upsetting people in their own grief. And so um so it was interesting. It was the beginning of my Thinking, you know, I had a two-year-old sister at the time that every time we'd go back to grandpa's house would ask, where's grandpa? You know, like, he's yeah. dead. He went to heaven. And then about, um, so, so again, you know, I started at a very young age exposed to death and, and, and talking a lot about it. And I was always very interested as well in, hmm, how can I say, spirituality. My, I grew up in a uh, Polish Catholic German Lutheran family, mm-hmm. um, and so I went to catechism classes on Saturdays, but I was really blessed with a family who emphasized the spirituality rather than the religion and so um as I got a little older, we went to a what I would call a radical Catholic church that really started to blend into other religions and other things, which really began to open me to to thinking even more but um as we mentioned at the beginning i uh so I started I started hearing my I didn't remember the people being in my room when I died. I mean died when I went to (laughs) sleep at night. That's funny. Um when I went to sleep at night, but I remember often my mother telling, like, my grandparents would come over on the weekend and my mom would say, Oh, yeah, you know, Fred had, my dad had to go in Gigi's room last night and chase all the people out again. And, and so now I'm looking back, I think about those stories and I think, well, that was probably signs to, to people if they were not, um, if they were not as close to, to mediumship as, as they were at the time. Um, To say, hey, something's going on. It's not just, uh, you know, I was, uh, nobody wanted to sleep in my room because I used to say I had, later I said I had a ghost that would come at night. I would see this white face that would float in the room Mm -hmm. by me. And um, by then I was scared because I'd been taught to be scared of these things. Absolutely. And yet yet I was still fascinated. And so, and I read a lot as a kid. Um, When I read John Holland, who's an interesting medium, when I read him, uh, his book called Born Knowing, he talks about how he spent all this time in his room reading while everybody else was out playing. And I thought, yeah, you know, in sixth grade, I was reading Jung's Dream Analysis. Oh, and, my gosh. And, and Pascal's uh, Mathematic Proof of God Existing and some other bizarre things like That's that. So I wild. had this huge fascination. And I had prophetic dreams as a child. Um Not the kind of horrible ones where you're seeing somebody in a car accident necessarily although I did have a repetitive dream where my brother was being killed in a car accident when he was young and in his 30s he actually had a car accident where a very similar circumstance a truck car which is what I had been dreaming um, caused him to get a, a, a neck injury that caused his life essentially to come to a stop for five years as they were in lawsuits and trying to treat him medically and whatever and I said you know really looking back at that dream that I'd been having over and over and over again since I was about 10 years old where I dreamt that he had a truck car accident and his head was cut off Um, it really was in a sense because he had this tremendous head injury Um, he you know fortunately has completely recovered but it, it did end his life as he knew it at the time. And what was really interesting was he had blocked memories. And when he had that dream, I mean, when he had that accident years later, he actually remembered memories from that time period when I had been dreaming the dream. So it, to me, it started to open more questions about, well, how can that be? And what does that mean about life and how it works and how we're interconnected oh yeah yeah um, what happened
0: with first communion
1: well first communion so back to that yes so first communion i went to a very conservative catholic church in the 1960s with an old 90 year old monsignor that would teach our first communion classes and i so back then and i don't know maybe today it's still people for first communion are told to um to fast for for like 24 hours or 12 hours in front of your first communion to open the space for, for Jesus to come into. Hmm. And um, my parents, you know, as I said, they, they were on the spirituality, not the religion. And they're like, JJ, you're eight years old. You've got to eat. You cannot not eat. And I'm like, no, no, no. I got have fast. to do this. Yes. Get fast. And I, I went in. I got to wear my mother's wedding veil. It was very special. Whatever. Back then you would get very dressed up, almost like a a, mm-hmm. a bride to go to communion. And I was quite hungry. I insisted I wouldn't have breakfast that morning. And it was a morning communion. And as I took the Eucharist onto my tongue and swallowed it, or you know, let it dissolve and then swallowed it and went back to the prey in the pew. I my hunger was gone and I was full. And I said to my parents, I remember on my way home, I said, Oh man, it was so cool <laughs> Tell a story. Just like Monsignor said, when when I took the Eucharist, I was filled with Jesus inside of me. Wow. And, and everyone laughed at me, you know, they do. They laughed at me and and, and um, said, Oh yeah, uh huh, you know, sure, whatever and let's go home and eat something. <laughs> Oh, I'm so, sure you were
0: the wild child with all the people yeah. that were in your room and the ghost and here's this. Yeah, How about yeah, it's, it's the Civil War the, battlefield that you told yeah, me about?
1: Yeah, so our first trip to Florida, where our family used to take car trips. So our first trip to Florida, 19, early 1970s when a lot of people weren't doing it and we stopped in Chickamauga battlefield in, in, uh, northern Georgia, um, which we later learned was, I think one of the last great victories of the south an extremely bloody battle and it was a kind of a foggy day kind of dreary we were getting a lot of dirty looks because I think it was a fairly new thing for a Wisconsin license plate to be driving through the Chickamauga battlefield and um, as we stopped as we were walking through there were these placards all over that would tell us about the, the the battles that had taken place there and I began to feel I could feel the presence of the 18 and 19 year old boys who had fought in that battle and I began to see it was a very it was a battle in a very heavy forest area with um, most people were killed with bayonets combat rather than shots huh. and i began to see the bayonets in front of me and i began to feel the the fear and the horror and the the, the feelings of these kids and at first i thought wow this is really cool because you know i'm i'm 11 years old and getting my first clear sentence and thinking wow this is really cool and my sister who was seven at the time today will still describe it and she said she could watch she can remember me i began to separate further and further from my family because my family would move on to read the next thing and i was like standing there letting all of this presence flood into me and my sister said i was getting paler and paler as i uh as i was processing all of this into me and then i i got ahead of them and i walked up and i i think i'm quite sure that i saw um clairvoyantly two people and I went running back to my family and they were laughing at me now oh, what scared you and um, we went into this cabin that was in the middle of nowhere and it was a gift shop and there were people dressed in period costumes and so again they said to me I'll oh, see you were just imagining um, but later when I went to Arthur Finley as we talked about Arthur Finley College and we were talking about why do I um, seem to Uh, At that time, I moved much easier into trance than into active mediumship, and an instructor there said to me, did you have something happen to you when you were pre-adolescent that was really traumatic related to mediumship? And I said, oh yeah, (laughs) and he said, "Um, because that triggered something in you to shut this down, and we have to heal that, that overwhelming fear of letting it in in order for you to open uh, that part of your, of your, um, of your sight. I still am a much more, um, uh, mediums get their, their information in many different ways. I'm still a much more clairsentient person. Also get what they call claircognizance, where I just know it, but often I very much feel things, even when I. That's what sentient
0: means, feeling. Yes.
1: Mm hmm. clairvoyant
0: and is seeing. Seeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think a lot of people think that all mediums see, and its I use the term see now when I talk to people, but I see, I see with my hands, I see with my body, I see with, it's through senses rather than necessarily through my eyes, although I do increasingly get, um, both little movies that play in my head, as well as, um, pictures of people that come in front of me, but, um, but mostly how I experience uh, the contact with people who, with spirits that are, are just not in physical body any longer is through, um, this more, this clear sentience and, and, um, and just a knowing that something's there or knowing the other one that is, um, knowing i meet people who are grieving or who are struggling with things that as we mentioned i have had people since i was a kid people would come to me with their stories things happening at home things happening at school needing psychological support or or something just struggling with their own thoughts and i always always a big storyteller always somehow pulled a story out of myself that would then Resonate with them in a way that helped them deal with that situation. And mm-hmm. I, I believe that that as well is, was always my, um, my contact, my ability to hear, um, spirit world that works with me, um, sort of help me choose, know what was wrong and help me choose the story or, or the, the words that I gave to that person, um, and so, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, well, so let me say this. So then I, there was a period in my twenties and even in my thirties where I, if I was very close to someone, I would have prophetic dreams. But other than that, I really, and this sort of ability to sort of tell the story somebody needed to hear at that time. But I really shut down thinking that I, could do anything else. And I really actually shut down my, my willingness to, to, um, process the information that was coming to me. Um, even though I would watch mediums on TV and think, wow, that's really cool. I really would love to be able to help people heal that way. Um, and then about 2009, which is, a, is actually when my dog came into my life, um, I start, started having a series of circumstances. I met a woman at a party who had just gotten back from Arthur Findlay College who was talking about what she did as a medium. And, um, I started. Gigi, just to interrupt you oh. a second.
0: There's many people listening right now who haven't a clue yeah. what Arthur Findlay College is. Sure. Can you just, just a brief what it is?
1: Yeah. So Arthur Findlay College is, um, is a school for, for Training um, or, or developing mediumship and um, spiritual healing. It's a. Uh, it's in the in the UK, um, north of London. It was the home of a uh, medium in Europe during the 1920s and the, to the 1960s, and he donated his his uh, mansion to the Spiritualist National Union in order to, um, which is a church. In England that, um, works with mediumship and in, in order to create a place where people could professionally train, um, not just have their experiences, but actually train to understand how to use their, um, their psychic senses in a sense to open up to and to learn how to give, um, evidence to others about mm-hmm. the continuation of life mm-hmm. after death. yeah Yeah. thank you thank
0: you for that and Mm -hmm. as someone who went there in may i can attest it is like no place on earth and if you have even an inkling of wanting to be a medium or just to see if you have these abilities well i believe we all have them to a degree Mm -hmm. yeah book a course there they have them all year round and um it's a great place great it is okay back to your story sorry Mm -hmm. i interrupted you that's
1: okay that's okay so um so we were talking about how I, how I feel about life continuing, right? Is that?
0: Oh, we were all over the map. But, oh, um, know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you had visited Arthur Finley. Well, yeah, let's just get into this because maybe within, you know, you, you had mentioned that when you talk to people, you just knew what the right stories were to say. So. Mm-hmm why don't you as you continue with some of the things you've experienced include for us now because the name of the show is we don't die any stories that you have through your studies through your adventures for the things you learned why you believe life after death is real and then we can get into a little bit more about animal communication the spirit art you do you can talk about scrappy your dog and uh and we go from there because there's a lot of us pet lovers as well. So why do you believe, Gigi, that we don't die?
1: Oh, gosh, I think more than anything, it just, for me, it just makes sense that our souls continue. Um, and especially in the, in it through our love connections, um, for me, again, as a child, I seem to somehow just instinctively know that. Um, and then as I was re, sort of re, well, I would watch these mediums that were starting to be on TV in the 1980s and I'd think, oh, see, there it is. You know, you'd watch them tell people things that how could they know that if they exactly. weren't getting that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and I'd watch how that transpiring would somehow release other people of grief. And that to me was really fascinating because, um, because I thought, oh, somehow we're coming back to an awareness that we already knew that we're always connected. And, um, and then. So as I said, in about 2009, I started sort of really coming back to a fascination with mediumship and remembering and starting to reawaken to my own sort of perceptions that other people may or may not have had. And around that time, a friend of mine, had uh, a group of us had gone to Brazil with Rotary in 2000. Um, for 40 days. And there I met some very nice people. And one of the people I met there had then died of um, breast cancer. Be, um, she and I had been very good friends. We'd really connected on the trip there. I had moved back to Brazil for a while. Um, and while she was dying, um, we would converse a lot about our own spiritual beliefs and life uh, etc and I have she was a, an artist and so I had some of her paintings um, and I had a lot of regrets I was not able to get back to Brazil before she died I felt like I didn't um, call her often enough when I got the email from her daughter the one day that told me that she'd transitioned I just was in this period of Self-recrimination and, sure. but at the same time, this very strong, I actually left a job that I was not enjoying to find another job and really start seeking. It was all part of this, like starting to seek who am I really and what do I really want to be doing? And, um, and then I started to sense her sometimes. Sometimes I'd be in my house looking at the painting and I could feel. You know how, like, when you're at a party and somebody walks in the room when you have your back to him, but you know, oh, so-and-so just arrived at the party? Yes. Um, That's, I could feel her there. And I think, oh, that just is a memory. I'm just really missing her. But then sometimes I'd say, oh, hi, how are you? Just to let it exist. And then... um, then somebody that who had traveled to Brazil with me had right before her forty eighth birthday suddenly went into the hospital with um, with abdominal pains, which ended up being a, a stone caught between her gallbladder and her pancreas. And Ouch. in the in the in the course in the twenty four hours from when she presented at an emergency room to um, twenty four hours later, she, she her kidneys failed, her pancreas failed, she went into a coma. And it was, you know, it was pretty frightening. She, she was, she actually lived. She, she, but she was in the hospital for several months and she didn't have health insurance. And there were a lot of, you know, questioning are, are they not doing things for her that they could be? Right. She, her pancreas started necrotizing. So I went to visit her in the hospital and she was very close to death is how I felt. I came home in that kind of grief of, that you have that you start grieving before someone passes
0: anticipatory grief I was told Mm -hmm. my dad was and
1: I went home and I just cried for her and I cried for the circumstance of her being there and I felt my friend from Brazil who was now in spirit step right up next to me in the hallway Hmm. and I said to her I thought she was there to help my other friend cross and I said, oh, you are here, and thank you. Can you go to her, help her? Um, what was interesting was I was so sure that she was, you know, I, I felt very sure she was there. I felt very sure that she had come for my friend Kathy, but I thought she had come to help greet her and take her over. The next day, a doctor who had never seen my friend Kathy before Came in, saw her, said, we're taking her into surgery right now. And within days, she was getting better. And um, she got out of the hospital with some rehab after having been in the hospital for two and a half months. And then I met, as I said, I had gone to this party around that time. I met this woman who had just gotten back from Arthur Finley College who was talking to me at the party. And she had said some things to me at the party that then made me want to call her and get my first mediumship reading and um during the reading I said to her you know I've been sensing this friend around me lately and immediately that's all I said immediately my step my friend stepped forward for her and she gave me such accurate um descriptions down to how she laughed and what we talked about and how and that she was an artist who painted these big paintings etc um that I knew she had my friend Inês, who, who, from Brazil. And she, um, she said to me, she didn't know about my friend in the hospital. And she said to me, you know, Inês is saying, you know, I brought that surgeon to her. And I thought, oh, it explains all the miracles that happened. Yes. That <laughs> and, um, and it was interesting because in that conversation, at the end of the conversation, the woman who was doing the readings for me said, you know, you are a medium, don't you? You can do this yourself. And I said, it was like, um, it was like somebody pulled up the shade on a window. And I said, you know, as a kid, I knew that. I always hoped that was true. Um, and it was, I would say, well, first of all, if you've never had a mediumship reading, I have to say that first reading where she brought through my friend and could could give me that kind of evidence, I was on like a two-week high of like... I had to go talk to everybody. I wasn't so like sort of like when you're first in love, you know? I had to go tell everybody. Oh it's about it's this big. wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Unfortunately, then, Gigi, some people don't have great first readings, so No, and I know. And yeah. even
1: even even mediums sometimes, you know, who've been doing it for lots of years, they sometimes um, just don't make the right connection or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of readings that aren't those miraculous ones. And yet, I think if we're willing to, if we're willing to be open, there's always, even in some of the most failed readings, unless you absolutely don't connect at all, I think that there's always one or two pieces of evidence that if you let yourself be open to it, you think, well, how else could that have gotten there right right. if that soul hadn't told somebody and so that for me is what I tell people you know me I'm still I, I a lot of times am still um practicing and developing I think all mediums do their whole lives um and so certainly there are times where you go and you think oh what did I do? Why can I do better? But I do think that if we look at every time that connection comes in any way, shape or form that gives you anything that resonates with you as, as a potential piece of evidence that really says, how did they know that? I think that begins to really open our, our minds to the thing, to let go of the things we've been programmed to tell us are just imagination. Yeah. Um yeah. what's G- coming to me? Ah, Gigi, ahead. I
0: was on your website last night and for all the correspondence we've done, I uh-huh. had no idea that you you drew pictures. Oh yeah. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about that cuz sure. cuz at some point cuz I know you draw pictures of spirit guides and uh-huh. uh, both animal and human, but yeah. I also saw some pictures of people as they lived yeah. in a photograph and your Drawing, how did that start? Because basically you're drawing a picture of somebody you see in your mind's eye that's coming through.
1: And I'm not a trained artist. Um, I always liked art. I had a lot of artists in my family, but I always defined myself as not an artist. And so I didn't, other than, you know, classes you take in elementary school and middle school, I really Mm -hmm. never pursued it. Um, And it actually goes back to my, my very first visit to Arthur Findlay College. Um, one of the instructors that was there that week was a spirit artist and I had never heard of such a thing um, and when they were doing the demonstration readings to the gallery of people there she um, one person was doing the reading and she would draw whoever they were connected to and she did it two different ways one she would be actually very conscious and drawing with one hand in a very traditional artist way mm-hmm. um, the others she would put a pencil in each hand and she'd go into trance so her eyes were closed and she would draw very rapidly um, with both hands yes with both hands with her eyes closed a portrait yeah and I thought at the time wow that is so cool I would love to be able to do that but how many years of of art classes would I have to take to do that Uh so it was for me I always say this was a lesson in, in prayer put out prayer to the universe and then let it go because I put it out there just in that thought without even thinking that's what I was doing. And I let it, I forgot I even did that. Two years later. So about a year, a year and a half ago when I was living in California, I had a very intense meditation experience where I closed my eyes meditating in a garden. And what I saw as I closed my eyes was the face of a tiger eye to eye, nose to nose with me. And and I see I'm a I'm somebody who sees a lot I get my mediumship in color intense color uh, I always thought that everybody when they close their eyes to go to sleep at night saw these intense color shows I've recently learned that's not that's true. not true <laughs> but I thought it was yeah and so um so I saw this this like tiger with these gorgeous turquoise blue eyes like face to face with me and I was compelled to want to put it on paper and show mm-hmm. people what I see when I close my eyes. So I I, I was um, not employed at the time. I was living at a friend's house. I thought, now how do I do that? And I happened to buy a $1 scratch ticket, which gave me $35. And I went and I bought $35 worth of art supplies. Cool. And I sat and I thought about it and I thought, I can't draw it. How do I draw that? And then one morning I honored a voice in my head that said, go to the park and take your art supplies with you. And that day I drew my first two drawings of what I call poor animals. I drew a tiger, a lion, actually three, a tiger, a lion, and a wolf. Just in a matter of minutes. This very dramatic, um, abstract, colorful style, but basically a face with eyes. Uh-huh. And I posted them on Facebook and I immediately had friends from around the world who were mediums saying, saying, gee, oh my God. You know, where are the, can you feel the healing energy coming off of those? Can you feel the energy? And I said, yeah. I said, it's interesting because it's not, I said, it's an interesting thing because I wanted to do spirit art. And I believe that's what I'm doing because I'm actually getting this message about an animal and energy that was working with someone or appeals to someone But it's not how I thought I'd see it. That's not what I thought I'd do. But, hey, it's cool. I'll Mm -hmm. do that. And I did that for a week. And one day I was driving home from taking someone somewhere, I don't remember, and I suddenly saw in my, like I said, this clairvoyance where you see like a little movie play in your head, I suddenly saw a cat run through. And I thought, huh, that's interesting because I don't have cats. And then the cat came through a couple more times and I thought, well, I got to pull over to the side of the road and I got out my notebook and I wrote, I I decided, well, I'm going to do this just like a reading and so I started talking to the cat spirit and I wrote down a bunch of information they get, that I was getting about names and places and what did the cat look like and I did a quick sketch and then I went in the house and I sat down and I did my meditation before drawing and I drew a cat. Um, a tab, a gray cat, tabby cat with uh, three very distinctive, different paws, and I, I knew of someone in England who actually is a she's she specializes in doing animal readings. She's an animal communicator and she does animal Reiki, and I knew she had had a cat crossover recently. And I said, I wrote to her and I said, you know, I think I got your cat, and I started telling her all the information, and I sent her this picture. And she said, well, we've had hundreds of cats in our life, and um, the tabby cat wasn't the one that just crossed, but we had one. And she said, but let me go to my daughter who really took care of them. She found out that one of the names I gave her was her daughter's online gaming name, (laughs) which was not. Was, she didn't know what it was, but, and I just, it was, the name was like Mishi. And I said, I got this name Mishi. I thought it was the cat's name. It was actually her daughter's online gaming name. So it was one of those confirmation pieces. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, the coloration of those three paws are actually the three different cats that just crossed. So what I had was a picture blending, and I drew the last toy they made of her. So I thought, okay, cool. Now I'm still on, on, on animals. That's cool. And then then a week later, I drew one of my spirit guides in five minutes. And then after that, I, I drew a person. Mm-hmm. And I thought, is this real or not? But, um, there's online classes that I take, uh, where you do practice sessions. And I thought, well, I'm going to put it out there. And a lady in the Netherlands said, that's my friend and I'm going to send you a picture. She doesn't have the bandana on that I had drawn, but I do. And then from there, it's kind of evolved. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the ways that my, that's one of the ways I see. Um, I actually don't know what I'm drawing when I'm drawing. I can feel it and I can hear like almost as if I'm the person drawing a self-portrait. I can go, no, that's not my nose. Change my nose. Do this. But I actually don't know what they look like until I've drawn them. And then that's even weird. sometimes I have to, I, sometimes what's really weird is I hold the, if I hold the – like I'm not quite done with the drawing, something I can't quite get, I hold up the drawing to the mirror, and then I hear what to correct, and I correct it. Um, so it's it's a fascinating. I love it. For me, it's um, – I, I debate at times taking some art classes now, but I love the fact that I can say to people – look, I learned how to do this shading. I learned how to do this color. Look at the the styles are completely different depending on who I connect with. It doesn't look like the same artist did the drawing. Um, and so I love that. And then, as we've mentioned a little bit before, at, since my dog has crossed, he actually brings me um, – I've, I've done a lot more drawings of pets recently um, that – at first, I thought he was just bringing me like here's my new playmates on the other side. Let me show you, but they all seem to have connected it, eventually. I've done a reading with someone or a practice session with someone, and I've said, "Hey, you know, wait a minute. I had this drawing I have to ask you about, and it's it's he's not just bringing me um his playmates in in the spirit world, but he actually is bringing me people's pets that I'm about to do readings for, so it's an interesting
0: that's amazing and and then let me just ask you if." someone has lost a pet or lost a loved one, do you offer as a medium that you'll do a reading on them and then a drawing? Um, I don't know so, how that goes. That, that yeah,
1: world. so for me, um, and this is partially because of the way that I was trained in sort of spiritualist traditions, I usually don't preset who I'm trying, uh, who I can do a reading for or who or, or of or um, what, who I'm drawing, other than asking the spirit world to give me the the soul that most wants to talk to that person at that time and that they most need to hear from. Mm, okay. Yeah. So um, now that doesn't mean that spirit world doesn't know that they absolutely need that person. And, and I certainly, um, I would try if somebody really says, you know, I have a pet and I don't would not want a lot of information. Um, I could certainly sit and, uh, do the, see if I can do the connection. If I got the connection, I would do the reading. If I, if I didn't get the connection, I would just say, it doesn't mean for me, if a medium doesn't connect to who you want to hear from or who you really want to hear from um, there can be a number of reasons it doesn't mean that that person or or animal can't come through or won't come through or it that you know whatever conclusions people have um, sometimes each each of us I believe each of us has our own energy and vibration and sometimes um, we don't vibrate at the right level to connect well with that particular soul so we as a person um, it, it, that person would need to come through to a different medium in order to come through and then sometimes we in our grief or in our attachment to saying I really want to hear from this person that sometimes I believe what we do is we create an energy in ourselves that actually becomes like a resistor on the electric circuit um, that that actually blocks the communication so often my experiences especially people who've never gone to a medium before often what happens is your initial reading will be somebody you didn't think of at all coming through but somebody you're like oh yeah that's my grandma or something mm-hmm. and it's after that after you relax this expectation of I really need to hear from so-and-so that that when you get into that space of relaxing that the other soul that you really want to connect to comes through. Yeah. Is, it has been my experience. And so for me, um, and the other thing for me is I have to say, as a child, I was a very much perfect child syndrome. So um, when someone comes to me and says, oh, I really want to talk to so-and-so, it almost creates a block for me because um, because it triggers my inner perfect child who says what if you don't get it right oh and (laughs) And we all have
0: that i mean i trained at the arthur (laughs) finley college and people have heard me say this i have not had the courage yet to really practice because i don't want to be wrong you know people are grieving and i want to give them something and it's like it's not about sandra it's not about Gigi. it's really about exactly. blessing what we get so yeah. Gigi, you're awesome and i want to move now because there's yeah. a lot of people including myself that love animals we love our pets and um i want to know about scrappy i want to know about scrappy's impact on you and and maybe some animal communication and um and even we were talking a little bit about deaf midwife. What the heck is that? And yeah. just, just if you would, yeah, just spend some time because I know um, Scrappy so, has been very special to you. And yeah. uh, tell us about Scrappy. Scrappy is, was, Scrappy and is in the was, spirit world a dog.
1: Yes. He's my, my, um, he was a Brazilian Terrier, sort of like a Jack Russell. Um, and he was with me for 11 years. Um and I was his third owner, so he he had three owners in the first three years of his life um and then lived to be fourteen so a, a good life uh, for for length uh, as a child, I always loved animals, but we didn't have a lot of pets, and we always defined my younger brother as Dr. Doolittle, so again, I didn't think of myself as a potential uh really deep connection with animals but um in about 2006, 2006, I started really. Um, no 2005. I started really wanting to have a dog. My brother had moved into animal services. Everybody was starting to adopt dogs from the shelter, and I was living across the country, not finding what I wanted. I had this very strange situation where I was leaving a job to go to a new job, and the person I was training came in for two weeks of training before I left. And we were talking about dogs and she said, Oh, too bad I I gave my I had this other dog I had to give away and too bad um he's not around anymore because he'd have been perfect for you. She said, But I always told these people if they ever were gonna give him away that they, they should call me first. And a week later she called me and she said, Hey, you know what? Those people, they don't want their dog anymore. And that was how I got Scrappy. Sweet. And um Scrappy for me i think all dogs come to help us open our hearts and really understand unconditional love he gave me i was living alone and i um had had uh you know i was dealing i was in my 30s and i was dealing with a lot of sort of letting go of i had always dreamed i'd get married and have children and whatever and it didn't seem like that was happening and then came scrappy to my life and um he had a lot of quirks. He had a lot of separation anxiety because, of course, he'd been given away three times. He was very smart. Um, so if he saw you packing, he was sure he was going somewhere. If he, if he drove up to a house that he'd never been to before, he'd start crying. That's heartbreaking. Um, yeah, it was hard, but he learned we got to be quite close. Um, and then we would run into his old owner, and that was, again, giving giving new uh, insights because he recognized them instantly. They were his original family. Sure. And, it, and at first he wanted to go home with them, but he didn't want to go home with them if I wasn't coming too and um so it was very nice that we got to be friends and we could have this interaction but i said to people look he didn't see them for three years and he knew instantly who they were started to challenge people who said oh you know dogs don't think like people they don't feel the same way as people and i'm like oh, i don't know um They're so anyway smart
0: pets he, are you know, very smart
1: yes and and he was always people always would look at him and they'd say oh he's quite a character and um i wrote a blog post where he's talking about that and and he um he was I say he was I think a lot of animals are anyways they're much more aware like cats staring off into space sometimes are staring at your loved one in the spirit world that's standing in the room and you're just not aware of it um Scrappy had this sensitive he was super protective of me so he would not allow men to walk behind me at night and without barking at them and scaring them to death and i had a few men uh comment on him being that big protector but um as i started doing meditation and started working on my mediumship he started barking he scared me a couple times because he would go into full attack mode (laughs) barking at things when i'm meditating in a dark room and i realized that he was seeing things he hadn't seen before and he was um he was protecting me as he got accustomed to the oh okay, I know who that is now. He would then uh meditate with me. Um so anyways, we became <laughs> quite close. Yeah, I,
0: funny. I'm just funny. laughing at i you just imagining, you know, you're going yeah. into a meditation and you're experiencing this and the dog's barking seeing it all And he jumps
1: up in full attack mode. Oh my gosh. gosh. And now just now you're up. telling me he, he meditated with you. He meditated with me, and then he meditated with me when one one night when we were doing group uh, a group meditation on uh uh past life regression experiment and um And I had to take him down the hall because he was bothering everybody else. So I took him down the hall and I meditated not right with the group. And that was my first successful meditation where I sort of got this like past life regression. And I learned that he had been with me in that past life. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So then um, right around that time, I I was looking at doing some of my own self-healing, as we mentioned earlier. And I was looking for alternative things because I felt like, Uh, Western World Medicine wasn't quite doing it for me. And I met this woman I invited over for dinner who was just starting her naturopathic uh, uh, practice. And she came and she was one of those people. The whole night she was like, gosh, he's an interesting dog. And he was acting with her like he knew her. And he usually was very standoffish to other people at first. He liked people, but he would always be clingy to me and he was very clingy to her and looking at me like, ha, ha, ha. And, um, towards the end of the night, he moved from her to me. And she later told me, she didn't want to tell me at the time because she thought, oh, I was going to think she was crazy. But, um, she later told me that that night, what she, what he was actually figuring out how to talk to her. And as she was leaving that night, he said to her, he moved his, he like, connected our energy fields together and he said to her lady you're not leaving until you figure out how to heal my owner and um so that was my first understanding that he could communicate and I thought well how come he communicated with her and that was me well I started to learn that I um just wasn't tuning in or I wasn't allowing myself to believe he uh you know how dogs they like they want to treat and they're kind of giving you little signals and Mm -hmm. you and you think, well, yeah, well, I can just reason that out or it's just imagination. But he used to do this thing that I called the Jedi, the Jedi mind ga- stare, you know, like where, where <laughs> Obi-Wan puts the thought in your head, you sure. will give me the treat, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, you could watch him do it. And and he would get more and more intense as he was trying to put that thought in you. And one day, uh, again, after I had first gone to Arthur Friendly College, I said to him, I tuned in and I heard what he was saying and I asked, I said to him, are you telling me this? And he did a happy dance. It was so cute. <laughs> he did this happy dance and then he did the stare again. And then I said to him, you're telling me this? And then he did the happy dance. So I started opening up to, gee, maybe we are communicating and maybe it's the same as between people and people. Um, so anyways, let's, move a little forward he um for me the biggest thing is that in the last two years I I had a lot of move moving a lot of disruption in my life and during that time frame he and I were twice had to be separated once where he was in a kennel for for 30 days once when he actually had to be rehomed for uh eight months Mm -hmm. um and the, the heartbreaking for me but what was interesting and I think heartbreaking for him as well but what was interesting was during that time, we got a lot of lessons. I would dream about him at night, and I would often wake up with the sensation of him laying in bed next to me. Um, and then when I would come fully awake, I'd go, oh, he's not there. But I knew, I accepted that somehow during sleep time, our souls were coming together. And I knew my parents, this was my first pet, so I had not yet experienced A pet crossing but I knew my parents had and I knew my parents had thought they were imagining their dog trying to get up in bed with them at night or hearing him walk through the house in the weeks following his crossing and I used to say to them no that's not your imagination as I started to say earlier one of my favorite quotes from a medium named John Holland is he says he hates when people say oh it's just your imagination imagination is your key to the portal that connects you to the spirit world so i like
0: that imagination is your key to the portal that connects you with the spirit world is that what you said yeah that's a good one
1: imagination is actually what gets you there because they're communicating in these snippets and you have to be able to take that and get that to like, oh, yeah, that was so and so or, and so, um, so I used to tell my parents, it's not your imagination. That's, that's your dog. He's there with you. You know, let yourself accept that. It'll feel better. And so when Scrappy and I were, he was alive, but we were separated. We, I was having that same experience and I understood, I started to begin to really understand the depth of his connection with me. And there I was in the middle of learning my spirit drawing and I one day drew him. Didn't know I was drawing him until I got the drawing done. I was like, Oh my God, that's scrappy. And I thought, did he die? Cause he was now with this other family. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, I woke up from a dream and I said oh, out loud to him, I said, Oh buddy, I'm getting you back. I had no idea how about a month later. Um, no, maybe a couple of weeks later, uh, I had a cousin call and ask me if I wanted to move in with her and, and in, would I ever think of getting a dog again? And I immediately called the people that I'd been putting off calling that had him to ask how he was doing because I had been putting that off because I didn't want to know that he had crossed into the spirit world, because that's what I thought the drawing was. And they said, oh, we actually were just about to put him up for adoption. And I said, can I have, can you hold him for a month? Because I can come and get him back. It was the most exciting thing for me. Um, when I got him back, he had changed dramatically in that year, aged a lot, gotten very thin. He was very depressed. Um, but in a very brief number of hours after we drove away and we drove up to the first gas station near where I used to live, he suddenly perked up like he remembered that's where we were and it He's was home, like, yeah, yeah. he switched back in. And then, you know, he had a few more, uh, about three months later, that stuff in California was obviously not the final place because I suddenly was packing him back into the car and we drove from California to my parents' house in Florida in a matter of three and a half days. And that's, um, and then... As we were going there, I knew my parents are aging, and, and um, I was getting a lot of spirit communication that I was not to take on too much responsibility there. I was supposed to assign somebody to help my mom, so I told Scrappy it was his duty because um, I knew she missed her dog. And, uh So we get to, to, we get to Florida in December and he was in heaven because he'd been there before lots of times, but it had been quite a few years. In fact, he spent the first couple days looking around the house for their dog who had crossed, Mm -hmm. um, who was his buddy. And then, um, I started having dreams. I had dreams that he was, um, I had dreams that he had cancer. Tumors, and I thought that I was supposed to be trying to heal him, and I was very wrapped up in like, I'm not learning how to do this, and he's getting sicker. Here in Florida, he began to have some coughing and some other things. Um, there's a, uh, most of the fleas in this area are very resistant to the topical medicine, so you have to give them that much harsher pill right. medicine. Yeah. And that, in, in a, in a dog who had been very sensitive, um, he was grain free he had he had reflected to me I forgot to mention earlier he had reflected to me all of my health issues so he had seasonal allergies when I had seasonal allergies he was allergic to or intolerant of wheat and corn I took it out of his diet way before I took it out of mine later I realized oh that was my issue um and I do think our pets often do that they show us our issues that we aren't paying attention to but interesting never never thought of that yeah if you read um there's a woman named Danielle McKinnon who wrote a book on soul contracts with your pets, and um, she talks about that they, that often our pets mirror to us. So whether it's personality or or physical conditions, they mirror to us what we need to focus on. Um, but he he began to get sick here, and I would do because I had it in my head that I that I was supposed to heal him. That, yes, he was getting older, but, you know, first I was supposed to heal him, and then he would die. Um, I would ignore some of the signs that were coming, and um, or I would do things, to, and he'd get a little better. In, in June, he crossed. Um, in June, he got suddenly very ill with symptoms of congestive heart failure. A lot of dogs die of congestive heart failure and I have my theories on that as well. But he, um, I mean, it was so sudden and it was so sick. And I was in a fairly new job and I, I, you know, I wanted to stay home with him, but thank God he could at least stay home with my parents. Um, and there were some things that happened that allowed me to come home early. Some days so I was able to spend some more time with him and I struggled with is he, do I really know am I really hearing him telling me and showing me that he's dying or is he have something that if I just took him to the right vet if I just got the right medicine he'd mm-hmm. be miraculous
0: okay? healing yes yes yeah.
1: and, and and I'd say to people it's not about sometimes I know that's about people not being able to let go and I used to say to people no it's not about not letting him to let go I just want to know that I that I didn't let him down in something that was so easy to fix. And, um, but as I began to get closer to making an appointment, I made an appointment to go take him somewhere. But I knew my inner voices were telling me long and hard that this was it. Um, and that we needed to start letting go. And I started, I told my parents, I said, you know, we need to tell him, we need to tell him that it's okay. We'll be okay if he goes because I felt like we were holding him somehow in this physical suffering in his body because he was such a take, care, take care of me, protect me um, person and now my parents as well that I felt like if we were saying oh no but we don't want to lose another dog um, that That somehow we were holding him. Oh, yeah, yeah. This can be very
0: similar to people, too. Gigi, just being Mm -hmm. mindful of time, we Mm -hmm. only have about five minutes left. Okay, yes. Just, um, yeah, I want to hear because I know a lot of where you're going applies to people. Right now, I was, um,
1: yep. He, so let me tell you that he did show me, he, he did show me that week that, um, I got visions and talking in my head that he didn't want to go, he didn't want to go to the vet and be put down. Although I, I would tell people that that is perfectly fine as well. That is a way that, that some pets know that that's, that helps them cross I was given the blessing of being shown that he wanted to to lay in the yard and and with me and miraculously the weather worked out um and that morning he showed me again Matthew called from England and gave us a blessing and then um I took him outside and he laid out there and he um and his last moments he he lifted his head to look at a, a plane flying over and then he put his paws on my legs and he asked me to pick him up. And as I picked him up, he, I could tell he was having more difficulties breathing. So I said to him, you know what, buddy, we're going to do yoga breaths. Remember yoga breaths from when we used to meditate? Oh, and, I had him, and I had him breathe in with me and I said, come on, bud, here we go, breathe in and breathe out. And he tremored a little. And I sat there and I was in this space of total focus on him and our love connection. He was, I was holding him like a baby across my chest. And I said, okay, buddy, this time, one last time, all the way out. And I breathed in and I breathed out this very long breath and there was this sudden sense of peace, just a tremendous peace. And I'm rocking him in my arms and I was thinking, Oh, we should sit here in the shade. And you know, and then I realized I heard. He heard him he said I'm not look at me I'm not there anymore and I said and um, this was the day so I went in and I told my parents and I took him inside and I did my things to prepare him and um, and to sort of just process everything. And I was so sure, you know, when he was dying that day, he was holding on so hard. And I said to him, I kept reminding him, look, buddy, you know, we're connected. Here's the lessons we had from the last year. I kept calling him my valiant warrior. And I kept saying, just, you can go now. It's okay because we're still connected. Um, so the day, the day after he died was the Orlando shootings. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. which interrupted my grief for a while. But um, I had people later from around the world tell me that they saw, I actually believe he crossed for a purpose because they actually saw him, other people saw him actually greeting the souls from the shooting in Orlando and helping to pull them to focus on where they needed to go. To. Oh,
0: you got um, me with tears in my eyes right now. I, I, it's all right. Yeah. I know what it's like to lose a, a
1: little critter um, that I love so much. Yeah, so here's what I want to say. He he came to me three days later. He, he wasn't present right away, and I was very shocked by that. Um And I, I was told, I was reminded of teaching that I had that sometimes spirit, when they first cross, need to go to sort of like healing centers and actually heal and rest before they are in their spirit world life.
0: Good to know for those who. And, and when he
1: came yeah. back, he said to me, you shouldn't be sad. You just birthed me into my new life. And he told me that's what this death midwife thing that, that some people do nowadays and had come up for me as a theme of something I should look into, he told me I was born to come in and help people be birthed into their new life in the spirit world and that he'd help me learn how to do that. Wow. Um, I actually believe that there are people increasingly doing that with, with with hospice work but I actually believe that my work will be more with helping people who have pets. And who are trying to determine if they, is their pet sick? Is their pet telling them they're dying? What do they need to do? I think that um, my work will eventually be much more. It will work with people as well, but it'll actually be much more with that. Because my, since he's died, um, he comes to me, as I said, he brings pets to me to draw. Um, He has done some tremendous uh lessons in how to look for for our loved ones giving us reminders he's here um one day I was taking a picture of the sunset um at the beach here which I love to do and the clouds formed his face so dramatically that when I put his picture on Facebook's and said hey here look at Scrappy was here everybody that saw it that knew him or had seen his picture said oh my god I can see him and a couple of them said to me look at the other he brought other dogs and there are Four other dogs. In the
0: clouds. And, I'll have to look at that picture.
1: Um, still have he it up. Has, he's done a few other things. So let's let's wrap up. But uh, What I say to people is understand if you're grieving for a pet and you think you're imagining that pet in your house, that's your pet. Our pets are as connected to us, if not more connected to us, than our other loved ones in the spirit world. They will be there when we cross, but they are here with us continuously they will find ways to find you signs um sometimes they will actually use other animals sometimes they'll leave you feathers and things just like loved ones do but they're scrappy also comes to me we were sort of soulmates and he comes to me he plays the music of the Sleeping Beauty waltz in my head, and I, I feel myself dancing in the arms of a partner in a waltz, like it, like in a movie. And that's, um, the first time he came to me that way, I wasn't quite sure what it was, and all of a sudden I knew it was him. Um, so he's giving me lessons from the other side now that continue to show me, um, that we ha- are connected. He comes, uh, one t- the first time I did trans healing after he crossed, he said, he came to me and while I was in meditation and he said, I get to show you, come on, come with me. I get to show you what my life is like now. And he took me to the fields that he was playing with all the other dogs while I was allowing healing energy to channel through me to the person I was doing healing on. And, um, when, when that healing session was done, he said, "Okay." They said, "You've got to go back now." And then I got to go. I got to come out of my my trance meditation, knowing um, it, that we had that connection and that we would continue to work together on healing other people. Gigi, so. that's
0: so special. I remember when my kitty Millie, when we put her to sleep. I mean, it was just such a battle. With is it the right thing to do? Is she in pain? And to be able to talk to somebody and to, who can tap into that, that's beautiful. And um it's, it's a real gift. So thank you for that. And also, what's coming to mind is, we didn't talk much on this, but just for all of us who have had a pet, to really, and especially dogs, I think they're a little different than cats, but just to feel that unconditional love and to imagine, you know, they're happy to see you. No matter how long you've been gone, or uh, you know, and I don't want to say if you forgot to feed them, whatever it is, it's like it's just complete unconditional love. So, uh, yes, if you're, and it,
1: do we have maybe just a one? Yes, or something? you betcha. So he, the very first time he came to me after he crossed over. He came in a dream right before I was waking up in the morning and I was in the middle of a dream where I was doing something else. And you know how your pet sometimes like interrupts when you're reading the newspaper or something, says, Hey, pay attention to me. Yes. That's what he did. He interrupted. And in the dream, I did just like we do in our life. Like, would you stop? I'm, what, would you stop? Get out of my way because I'm doing this. And then I woke up and I thought, Oh, wait.
0: <laughs> Isn't that funny? And
1: I, then I realized my first lesson from him was, you know, for the last few months, did it really matter if Mom was feeding him something he wasn't supposed to get fed? Did it really matter if he peed in the house because he was now getting old enough and he he couldn't hold it anymore? Did you, you know, could you have taken five more minutes to spend some time with him, just having fun and loving? And I thought, wow. That was now that he's gone, and I miss him, and his first lesson to me was to come in a dream where I had that same little sort of annoyance we have, and I said, what a wonderful lesson for us that not only does life continue, but I also have aging parents, and and the same message comes, you know, do, do I need to be irritated? Do I need, because we're trying to merge our lives again, or do I just learn how to totally unconditionally express my love in the time the very short time that we have together in the physical world
0: I think that's the answer right there Mm -hmm. love 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 Gigi thank you so much thank you
1: Sandra Wow. And thank you to your audience.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely thank you to the audience, you who's listening right now. I hope we've touched a place in your heart. I, I can't help but think of when I adopted my kitty, Millie. I mean, I hated cats and this little cat snuck into my house and ended up sneaking into my heart and I had her for 11 years. And, you know, you know the expression better to have loved and lost than never to have loved yeah. at all. I had no idea that I could love so deeply. And it was for a cat, but I, man, I loved her. And so anybody toying with getting a pet or adopting, um, you know, yeah, I know it's hard when we lose someone, but the th- the thing is, is that love that we feel and what we can learn from them. And like Gigi says, you know, we don't die, our pets don't die, you know, they can hear you now and you can come. If you're open, you can communicate it with them now, and even when they cross over, they're still there teaching lessons. So uh, one thing I just want to say at the end, when I wrote this down because you said it so brilliantly. Imagination is your key to the portal that lets you connect to the spirit world. Uh, so many times we think what's in our imagination is just nothing. And I tell you from all the things that I've done, if you can start just imagining things um whatever that may be and just really practice your imagination you know watch all of a sudden you're going to be getting messages you haven't had before you're going to be mm-hmm. having dreams and that definitely uh is is the way through so um gg treba tusky i'm always afraid i'm going to pronounce your name wrong <laughs> <That's perfect. laughs>
1: how do we get in touch with you well so i well. have the um indigo soulways um website and also um, a Facebook page that's also um, Indigo Soulways, and, um, and then I also have a, 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 both a blog on that Indigo web, uh, Soulways and on my Facebook page that's related just to stories or lessons from Scrappy, and I encourage people, if you either are touched by his story or if you have stories of your own about your pets who have crossed, please feel free to share them there uh, um it seems that that scrappy's role um p- other people are from around the world who were touched by his initial story or who had met him asked me to start the facebook page for him it's called scrappy guru um <laughs> and it's It's right now mostly stories, um, that I tell through his voice, but I really encourage people if you wish to share them, um, it's a forum to get it out to other people and, and it helps you. I think the more I tell the stories of Scrappy, the more I pull him closer in the spirit world to me and our connection becomes even stronger so i encourage you if you have those to please feel free to share them with us or share them on your pages and let people know because it allows other people um i would say it's the it's a hand reaching out of the darkness into the light, and it lets people come out of their grief and move back into that space of love, knowing that that love continues, yeah,
0: ultimately love never dies they're all around so thank you Gigi thank you thank to our you. listener and remember i oh not remember i'm going to tell you right now going to we don 't die radio dot com click on episode one two two and all the links uh, for Gigi's website and for um, her blog and for Scrappy's Facebook page and all that is is right there okay so I do hope you've enjoyed the show in closing my name is Sandra Champlain and I've been your host once again on we don't die radio and I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important Your loved ones haven't died. Your pets haven't died. They're just in that invisible space, you know, where the Internet is and GPS signals and television and radio waves, and we can still access them through our imagination. So I want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.